Welcome to the Climate Change Winners Podcast. This is your host, Devesh Tilokani, and on this podcast, we explore how entrepreneurship can play a vital role in the climate change space. Can entrepreneurship be the answer or one of the answers to fighting climate change? We're going to find that out by talking to entrepreneurs who are running businesses in the climate change space about their journeys, learnings, failures, tactics, lessons, and much more. So whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur, a current entrepreneur, or are just generally interested in the role that entrepreneurship plays in climate change, this podcast is for you. Thank you so much for listening, and let's get right into it. On this episode of the Climate Change Entrepreneurs Podcast, we chat with Morgan Surrey, who is the CEO and co-founder at Noise Care. Now, when I first heard about Noise, I was honestly blown away by their business model. I didn't even know something like this could exist, so I didn't even conceptualize it personally, which is why I was pumped about this episode, and it definitely lived up to my expectations. I should beat my expectations. Personally, Noise, what Noisely does is they develop effective, natural, and sustainable oral care products that are good for your teeth and good for the planet. Now, Morgan herself, a focused entrepreneur, she actually first started her career in luxury brands before deciding to put her time and dedication to building Noise. And in this podcast, we really chat about how Morgan used those marketing and branding skills that she learned in the luxury space to help Noise succeed. Also, following up from that, how to take your skill set and use it in the climate change space. We all have our own unique skill sets. And how can we take that? How can we take our knowledge and use it in the climate change or sustainability uh, space? Why sustainable toothpaste is actually important and the surprising carbon emissions that the entire uh, toothpaste consumption cycle and toothpaste industry uh, or care products industry actually uh, creates. Uh, also, we talk a little bit about our productivity tips. If you know me personally, you know I'm a bit of a productivity nerd. Um, and also how to stay motivated through the tough times as an entrepreneur, especially when you're working in a remote team. As I mentioned, was beyond my expectations. Thank you, thank you so much for listening. The one ask that I always have, that, that I personally have is, um, please, 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 whatever you do from this episode, one thing that you want to take is you just want to take action after. One single action, that's something that I personally believe in. Action trumps talking, action trumps planning, action trumps everything in the end. People who take action, they're rewarded the most. So if the one thing that if you can get out of this is please, please, please listen to this episode, take in your insights, and then take even the smallest action possible um, as, soon after, as soon as after you listen to this episode. Thank you so much for listening, and let's get right into it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Morgan for coming on the Climate Change Entrepreneurs Podcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm super happy to be here today. Definitely, definitely, definitely. So maybe I want to take it like all the way back in your personal journey, like even before Noise, like how did your interest in the climate change slash sustainability space even come up in the first place? Thank you for the question. Very interesting. I guess that it was always here for me because I always felt a bit weird with our consuming world. But I was not sure about what it was and how come. But it never made really sense to me, actually. And by growing up and by little discoveries after discoveries, actually, I realized that I was pretty much very concerned about the world in general and this climate change crisis that we could witness, that I could witness. And this was the reason why I was not feeling 100 composed comfortable with the world we were living on, I guess, when it comes to linear consumption and stuff like that, I felt that there were an issue. 
And I'd say that it's by small readings, small documentaries, actually very small steps like this that guide me towards sustainability as kind of a mission for me or being something that was very important to me to guide my life in a way. And one of the first documentary, actually, I remember very well, it's Before the Flood. It was a National Geographic documentary that was presented by Leonardo DiCaprio. It was a free documentary. I recommend everyone to have a watch. It's a bit old now, but that was kind of a status about where the world was heading to, what was the current issues. I like this documentary because it was full of optimism at the end, saying that it's not too late. We all have a power to act. We can all do something. And I guess this is the way I entered in sustainability. And then it becomes, as a personal level, something that was super important to me, meaning in the way I consume, in the way I dress, in the way I eat, in the way I shop, in the way I travel, um, always this sustainability kind of light behind me to guide my choices or to help me make a choice that made me feel very, like kind of better doing these changes on my personal life. I felt a bit more aligned and that was on a personal level. And at one point, my personal level was very much into sustainability but my professional one was not at all. And it felt like a, a clash in a way. That's really interesting that you brought that up. I'm guessing maybe on the professional side, what were you currently doing back then? And how did it feel like? Yeah, so my career was in advertising, actually communication. And by opportunities, I ended up being a client director in a design agency that was specialized for luxury clients, very high-end brands and so on, working with a bunch of LVMH, L'Oreal brands. So super nice to work around because on a daily basis, you work with beautiful things, creating nice elements, funny uh, interactions and, and stuff like that, you know? So it was not, not pleasing, but it was so far away from the person I was trying to be on a personal level consuming more organic products, going to zero waste shops, monitoring my CO2 emission at, at a personal level. It was really not aligned with selling the latest limited edition of a perfume that cost 100 uh, US dollar, you know, to someone that has already 50 in their collection. And so this felt kind of a clash at one point, because when you work, you work five days a week, an average of 10 hours a day. So it's a lot of time you put onto your work. And I realized because it was not aligned with the way I was thinking and my ambitions in terms of consumption and, and conviction, that was the reason why I was still not feeling so great. And at this point, when I realized that this was the reason that my work was not aligned with my personal ambition, I started to go out there and meet with people attend more networking events or conferences that were onto the topic of sustainability. And yeah, yeah no, no, and it, it was super nice because w when you tend to be on your daily work and daily life, but you feel there is something wrong, but you think that you are something wrong, like, or you have something wrong. But when you start going out there, attending those events, meeting new people, it opens up the possibilities and you realize that there is more people like you that wants to be part of the solutions, that wants to shift your career to a sustainable path. Uh, so you feel not more alone, you feel surrounded. And it's kind of powerful as a feeling. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, through this podcast, hopefully I would feel a little less alone as well, meeting people that are in the space. And I know that through these events, you actually met your co-founder for Noise. So how, how was that journey meeting your co-founder? Yeah, exactly. And it's 
by being out there, being at those events. So back then I was living in Singapore, actually. And I want to give a, a shout out to an organization that it's called Green is the New Black. It's led by two fantastic ladies. And back in Singapore, they were organizing talks every two weeks around a sustainability focused topic. And we're welcoming great speakers and so on. So I, I got a regular, I became a regular to the events and would not miss one event for no reason. And by entering kind of this circle, this is exactly, as you mentioned, I, I met my co-founder. We were evolving in the same space, kind of driven by the same need of shifting our career. And simply like this, by meeting and discussing, we end up building a project together, building a brand, building a product, which is amazing. The power of meeting people, the power of going out there. That's amazing. And, and it kind of shows the fact that when you put yourself out there, when you go to these events, the, the knock-on effect, like you don't see it in the starting because at the starting, you're like, okay, I'll go to an event. I'll learn a little bit about something and I'll come back. But you don't realize the people that you meet there could have such a knock-on effect in your life in the future. Definitely. And you have no idea how it's huge, actually. I have a quick story about that. Sure. One of the first events I went was about sustainable fashion. And one of the speakers out there, I was very, very amazed by her path what she did, she was doing kind of activism arts installation to spot on how unsustainable fashion industry is and to raise awareness, but doing it with this activism wide voice, I mean, and with this beautiful kind of set designs and so on, because it makes you want to take a picture because the installation are so interesting, so powerful. And I remember very clearly because this was kind of a, a click in my mind, like, Okay, I want to do something around this too, meaning I want to raise awareness about sustainability. I want to take my voice out and use it for this purpose. And several years later, actually four years later, it's a person I'm currently working with because of the network, because of the sustainability. And this person that I such admire, now I'm able to work with and be mentor in a way and exchange ideas which is awesome. So yeah, connection is key and possibilities are endless, actually. It's about going out there. And I just want to add something is that maybe today the situation is less easy to attend events, to attend talks and so on, but there is plenty of elements and plenty of events going online, which are great. And they develop some great tools when it comes to networking, where you break out in separate digital rooms with people to discuss one-on-one. Even though we cannot necessarily meet face-to-face, -face, online there is plenty of resources that we can leverage from our living room. Yeah, yeah. And there's so many like different programs. There's so many different... I mean, even on LinkedIn, just go and check who you find interesting and shoot them a message. There's only two scenarios that come out of it. First, they say no or they don't reply back. And second scenario is you open a line of communication between them and you never know where that conversation can take you, you know? So even just shooting a message to someone on LinkedIn who you find really interesting can really pay dividends. As well. Yeah, definitely. It's a very powerful tool. And I think that at the end of the day, we are mostly human. So you might get no answers or a no. We should not take it personally. People are very busy. They can be in different states of their life and so on. But out of a bunch of no's or no reply, you get a few yes, a few connections. And it yeah. can lead to wonderful stories it can uh, be great advice it can be so many elements yeah 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 definitely definitely agree on that and sort of maybe moving on from there more into sort of noise sustainable toothpaste i don't think anyone i mean people didn't really think about it it's like such a cool idea 
I mean, when you look at the brand, everything is killing it out there. So how did the idea of sustainable toothpaste even come up in the first place? Because that sounds really, really cool. It's a very good question. So the very first idea about sustainable toothpaste came from one of my co-founders. And he was on a personal journey of going more sustainable in the way he consumed. So to want more organic groceries looking at the ingredients that was part of his kind of skincare routine, what shampoo he would use to switch to a natural one, all natural, same for the soaps. And so, and so he was in, in this journey and it was super simple, really. It happened like one day he was in front of his mirror, brushing his teeth, thinking about the shampoo he just bought that was all natural. And there were the toothpaste tube, you know, lying on, on the sink. And it was on the riverside, so where you see the list of ingredients. And he just bent over it and started to read the list. Super small, super complex words. And he was like, I'm putting this stuff twice or three times a day in my mouth. And I don't even know what is inside. I'm just trusting brands because they've been here for a long time. Uh, so they built trust around this being there for a long time, basically. And that was a switch for him and said, okay, there is something to do about toothpaste and I need to tackle the ingredients part. And he was working on this formula when we met, working on the all natural formula, taking a regular commercial toothpaste ingredient list and replacing each of the ingredients that uh, were necessary, I would say, by a natural alternatives that would bring the same effect in terms of efficacy, in terms of protection, of cleanliness, and so on, but replacing by naturals. And so when I met with Clément, he was working on this formula, and I was on a personal journey for zero waste. That, that was my, my ethos at the time. I wanted no more waste in my house, nowhere. And I just bought a powder toothpaste because it was the only option I could find available back in Singapore back then. And I was okay to use the powder. It was not a great experience. It was not testing fresh. You put powder everywhere. It's quite messy. And I could not convert my partner to use my powder toothpaste. No way. He would keep on buying secretly the Colgate toothpaste that would never convert to my powder one. And so when I met with Clément, kind of our visions and stick for this perfect toothpaste that would be natural and zero waste aligned. And this is where we started to work together on also challenging the packaging in order not to package our very great formula into another plastic tube that is simply not recyclable, that do not biodegrade, that just end up in the landfill for 500 years and eventually break down into microplastics. We are finally back at eating the very first toothpaste tube that we ever used. And that's how Noise kind of uh, was born, by meeting our visions about a clean, efficient formula in a packaging that would be eco-friendly. That's amazing. And I'm guessing Clement bought more of the technical side and you bought more of the branding slash advertising side? Uh, yes, exactly. We are very complementary on this on this side. We're also Clement, yeah, he has an engineer background. I'm so very familiar when it comes to kind of create a product, what is the process, the quality process of things, the testing and so on. He's also a very experienced entrepreneur, so building a lot on the business side. Uh, and I came up more uh, with the advertising, communication, branding hat. Yeah. Um, and there is two other co-founders at Noise, so we are four in total. Um, and there is Maximilian that is also bringing a bit more of the 
marketing performance marketing skills as well as HR skills, which is very much needed and take a lot of time. Um, and Valerian was also on the finance corporate side that used to work in corporate funds. Amazing, four co-founders. I mean, I've I've heard of maybe one of the companies because I mean, there's a lot of companies with two normally, two is the average, and then you see three sometimes. Before, how has that been managing like four co-founders? Yes, so great question. And not to facilitate the task, we are all in different continents. I'm sure you all aligned in your vision, but how, how has it been managing with four people sort of heading the company? Some are in the US, currently in Europe, and some are still in Asia. But actually, I guess that it, it has been very natural since day one, since everyone knows kind of who is leading what. And I see... As I'm the CEO, actually, and so one of the co-founders, but the CEOs, so, so I see it more of putting out or reaching out to the uh, needed co-founder that has the needed skills when needed, while ensuring that we have meetings every two weeks to share an update, gather feedback, also be sure that we are aligned. I think that we well found each other because we find a perfect balance in the way that we work together. Remotely is okay, we communicate well, and we are very much aligned with the mission actually of noise, and we are all doing it with passion. So I guess it's also a good point on easing kind of the way of being for. Yeah, and, and, and on that point, do you also think that the four co-founder thing succeeded because all of you had your own skill sets and you kind of use those skill sets to further the brand and sustainability space? Yes, definitely. And it allowed us to have, yes, such a panel of skills, I'd say. You're, you're right, it's very rare. But in our team of four, we are able to have this, for instance, fundraising kind of guidelines, guidance, thanks to, which is super valuable. I had, I had no previous experience in startups, entrepreneurship, or raising whatever, nothing like this. So it's very valuable. And we do not overstep each other, I would say, in terms of skills, even though we always listen each other's, but it's very complementary. Yeah, yeah. And, and you mentioned something really important that you mentioned about how entrepreneurship and startups, it's, it can be hard. And like, I'm guessing having three co-founders, because it can be quite lonely as well, you know, being an entrepreneur, but I guessing having three co-founders definitely helps with that. So from an entrepreneur's perspective, sort of a first time entrepreneur, like tell me maybe what have been some of the challenges that you've sort of faced and how, how has it been overcoming those? Yes, definitely. First of all, I, I realized entrepreneurship and startups is a whole world. I had no idea it existed before. It has its codes, its codes, it has its networks, it has its processes, its stages and so on, which is very interesting. And I was very lucky to be part of an accelerator program. So just to come back on the timeline, I started to be full-time on noise because obviously at the very beginning, I was keeping my job and working on noise as a project on nights and weekends. But at some point I were able to quit my job to dedicate fully to noise. This was in January, 2020. And right away in February, 2020, I got accepted in an accelerator. So eight week programs, which gave me kind of the basis about entrepreneurships, about startups, the lexicon that I would be needed afterwards, the key steps about fundraising, working on the pitch and so on. So I would encourage anyone to look at 
if there is an accelerator or incubator program where they are, but there is plenty of them online because it's a very good training to give you kind, kind of the basis uh, of things. But this being said, on the first day when I arrived alone on my, in my co-working space with my computer, the task was so huge. I didn't know where to start, how to do it, if I were really the right person to do so. Did I make the right choice? So one of the challenge to answer your question, I guess, is to try to keep all those questions a bit quiet and not to feel too overwhelmed by the task. Because obviously, when you started a new business from scratch, there is so many elements to consider from the admin. We have a physical product, so there is the logistic, the production, the marketing. And I'm only quoting a little bit of them because there is product research, product development, there is certification, there is authorization to sell on the market, there is custom clearance, there is it's infinite actually, infinite, wow. infinite. So challenge would be to first settle a little bit and let yourself overwhelmed, overwhelmed, sorry, by the huge task. And loneliness is definitely here, especially because I guess that we chose to be a remote team for various different reasons, which is great, actually. And I do believe uh, very strongly in remote working, but it comes with, yes, sometimes you feel lonely because you're working alone. So even though we organized remote coffee, we can call each other all the time and it's not the purpose, but you don't have colleagues anymore. You don't have a nine to six going to the office kind of routine. So it's different. And, and so, yeah, loneliness is still here and it's up and down. Sometimes you're like, I'm super happy to be actually that flexible so I can work from everywhere I want. I can organize myself as I want. And sometimes you're like, oh, I wish I go to the office for a coffee break. And I guess it's just about leveraging the digital tools that we have today. Grab your phone, schedule a meeting with some of your team members and do this coffee. Virtually, yes, but do it. Yeah. When it comes to the very first challenge about being overwhelmed, I would like just to give a, a few tips. And the first one is to talk about it with your co-founders and team. Do not keep everything for yourself. Talk around it. And it's not about being negative or losing the face in a way because you're sharing some weaknesses. It's not about that. It's about being transparent and also seeking. So I remember when I started this overwhelming feeling, where should I start? My to-do list was actually a book, a dictionary, something like that, like 100 pages. I didn't know where to start. And so I reached out to people. We need to, <laughs> I need to talk to you because I, I don't feel great right now. Mm. And he gave me some, some tips that I'm still using today. And if you allow me, I'd like to give the tips to sure, right definitely. now. So one tip that I was given was, it's called, it's very well known, I believe. It's the Pomodoro method. So it's about setting an alarm for a task that you're going to complete in 20 minutes. And the idea is to be really focused for those 20 minutes. So shut down your notification, decide on which task you're going to work, allow 20 minutes to it. 20 minutes ultra focused time is way enough for most of the tasks. And then after those 20 minutes, take five minute break. So meaning you stand up, you go have a walk, then you come and you work like this all morning with 20 minutes, five minutes, 20 minutes, five minutes, and then you have a longer break and so on. So I found this very, very interesting because especially today we have like Slack, Skype, WhatsApp, emails, calls, you get notification everywhere and it's very hard to get something done. Uh, and by shutting everything down, focusing on one item for 20 minutes, first you clear it out of your mind. Uh, and if you require multiple cycle of 20 minutes, it's okay. But at the end, you would have completed it. So this I, I found very useful. And the other one is more about 
Because when you're an entrepreneur, I guess, and starting something from scratch, there is no success book written. You're not sure about what's going to work, what's not going to work. But you have to take decisions all day long. You have to take decisions. And so Clément shared with me a metaphor that I really like. It's like entrepreneurship. It's like being on a path where you have no indication about where you are. There is no one in this, in this road. No one. No one is passing by. There is fog. So you cannot see like the stars or the, the sun to try to navigate. And of course, uh, you have no cell phone with you. Uh, the battery is dead. No way on finding your best road in a way. And entrepreneurship is like this. And so you're on this road and you actually arrive at a crossover. And you have the choice to go on the right or to go on the left. But no indication about where is the good direction, right? So you have two choices, actually. The first one is not to take a decision and to wait. But you can wait for a very, very very long time and eventually die of deshydratation because you don't have water with you obviously <laughs> or you can decide to take the right road or the left one and this is moving on and while you're taking either the right or the left road the fog is actually lifting over so you're able to see a bit more clearer about what is at the end of this path and if you see a big sign that say no 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 it's still time to go back and take the other directions yeah. But if at the end you see a clear blue sky, go run, go fast. And I think th this is a nice picture, actually, that I always kept in my mind since January 2020, because it helps you in taking decisions. And I guess that in startups and entrepreneurship, you need to take this. It's needed every day, every single day. And you might not be knowing where it's going to. But you need to take the decision, of course, with all the data that you have available and all your kind of guts, feelings or research or a quick survey that you made in 10 minutes to confirm that this is the kind of right direction for now and be comfortable about switching direction, see signs that you need to switch it or pursuing 100% if you see signs that you need to pursue 100%. Yeah, yeah. It's like in entrepreneurship, it's like, the person is rewarded as the one that just moves as fast as possible. And then of course you make mistakes along the way, but it's about redirecting from his mistakes and still keep, keep the ship sailing, I guess, you know? Exactly. Keep the ship sailing. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Definitely. So that, that was amazing advice, Morgan. That, that was incredible. I feel like I'm at a business coaching session for a second or something. I, I do want to maybe go from this more into a little bit more into the climate change aspect. So I know that with, with noise, one of the, one of the beautiful things about it is that it takes something that's very simple like toothpaste, something that we use in every single day, and it adds an element of positive impact to it. So would your advice be to like young people that look at elements of your life where you can create, make it more sustainable? And then how do you maybe scale that for other people? It, it's a very good question, not an easy one. And I feel that it's our role as entrepreneurship, uh, entrepreneurs, sorry, and, and creators it's kind of our role to a different look to things. And innovation is feasible everywhere, especially if you bring this kind of circular economy or sustainable vision to it. You see so many things that are not right, at least I think that are not right, that there is plenty of rooms to innovate and so on and to propose different ways, actually. What, what I'm trying to say here, it's also that, yes, it's about finding a pain point, definitely, and the best way of finding a pain point, I guess, is your personal experience because you experience this pain point. But it's also about having a very consumer-centric approach and understanding that 
we are on a personal journey, but maybe other people are not on the same journey. And I think here there is something important because in sustainability, there is so many things to still be doing. The, the possibilities are endless, actually, because it's about making it easy for the end consumers. It's making the consumer that is not maybe touched by sustainability to choose your sustainability option because it's better, because it's easier, because it fulfills what the person wants first and sustainability comes like a cherry on the cake. I guess that what I'm trying to say is that for everyone, every young people out there that wants to build a career in sustainability, maybe you can look at something is not linked at first sight to sustainability, but a regular pain point and see how you can implement sustainable vision to it. Sustainability is so wide. And I guess that a very first step is also also to make the current industry that we are all working on more sustainable. And it doesn't mean necessarily to create a new sustainable product from scratch. It can be also insufflating your sustainability vision into the existing industries, products, services, and so on and so on. Yeah. I'm guessing it makes it easier when the market wants what you want and it is also sustainable at the same time. Yes, definitely. It's one of the first things I was taught actually in this incubator program I mentioned earlier is that you need to have a market. You cannot push a product to because it's better. It's not the way it works. You cannot push a product because it's better out there. People will not want it because they don't want necessarily kind of better. You need to understand what people want. And it's something actually, if I can share, that we learn also at Noise because we started out of this sustainability kind of mission. But at the end of the day, what we are selling is actually toothpaste. So when someone is purchasing, purchasing a toothpaste, what do they want? They want a toothpaste that cleans their teeth. They don't really care that much about the sustainability power of it, you know? And it, a little element that we discover in a way and that we needed to adapt around, meaning that at the very beginning, we would really shut out about our sustainability aspects, sustainable toothpaste, sustainable toothpaste. But actually, we realized that people want toothpaste that is efficient. So we went back in testing again our product, bettering the formula to make sure that it has very strong anti-plaque properties, weaken the teeth with the charcoal, and make sure that first, actually, we sell a toothpaste that is good, tastes great, protect your teeth deeply. And sustainability became kind of a second message when it comes to consumer communication. Even though sustainability is what guides us as a team, as a co-founding team every day in everything that we do. Yeah. So it's about finding what consumers want, what they need, and building something around this need. Because if there is not this need, you have no business, actually. Yeah. And the fact that you your team was that adaptable, that just shows the level of sort of agility that the team has and then also sets itself up for success in the future, you know? As you mentioned, just pick a decision left or right and just move on. Yeah, 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 definitely. Maybe a question is that, I mean, what does the future of noise look like? Would it be just to be the... And then I'd ask for yourself as well, as Morgan, what does your future look like? For noise? would it be just to become the number one toothpaste brand in the world and to like beat all of them? And maybe for yourself, like would the goal be to continue with noise for a while, build it out, build a great team and then move on to the next project? Or would it be to continue? Um, very good question. So I'm going to start with noise because it's easier. I'm trying to think about myself at the, main, the meantime. No, but yeah, we have huge ambition for noise and our goal is really to be the sustainable brand, the... Sorry, let me rephrase this, but the oral care sustainable brand reference. So today we have one product, which is a, a anti-plaque charcoal dental gel, but we are already building our next product that will 
obviously include most likely your toothbrush because our consumers ask for a toothbrush. Uh, mouthwash is something that we are studying to. And I'm a recent mum, so I also now want to create a kid formula because right now our formula is made of essential oils which has very strong properties but it's not recommended for children maybe a bit too strong in terms of so i really would like to to for us to release a kid formula especially because it's so important for our young kids to also clean formula toothpaste to brush their teeth with definitely from an ingredient perspective, it's so important. So it's about, yeah, scaling our uh, oral care range and uh, maybe some of the countries too. Right now we are available in the UK, in the US and Canada, and along the way would love to spread out uh, noise kind of everywhere where there is people that brush their teeth, meaning everywhere in the world, <laughs> right? Yeah. And when it comes to my personal journey, so it's a great question and I love those kind of meeting or discussions because you, you're asked questions that I did not ask myself for a while. You know, when you're doing your thing, you're like super into it. Sometimes you don't take a breath and think. And so for now, I'm, I'm fully on noise and I see it as my mission, really. It's my main mission and I don't see the end. So I, I, I guess that I'm really about building this brand out, reaching out to more consumers, making sure that we have always a, a more positive impact. Every sales actually is a win for us because it means that is one plastic toothpaste tube less on the planet. And I want also better everything that we do at Noise. I have this kind of, not the ambition of being perfect, because I guess that perfect does not exist and maybe perfect could be boring and we are all human, so it's not the purpose. But I'm this kind of person that thinks that there is always room for improvement. And so I'm sure that we can improve better our carbon footprint. We can improve better our social impact. And so I'm dedicated one day after one day to make it better at noise. And I'm feeling better this way too knowing that I bring solutions, that we keep on building up those solutions, scaling those solutions, pushing forward the solutions, uh, and so on. Yeah. So five years from now, still building noise with an amazing team, I hope, back then. We are already a team of four people now. So the team is growing, which is great, but even more, even more. Even more. That's amazing. That's amazing. And you touched on something really important there where, like, yes, of course, perfection is something that we want. But at times you just need to kind of move on and just look for that one small bit of improvement and just keep growing, keep growing, keep growing, you know? Yes. It's something that I learned along the way. We could spend 10 years in making it perfect and never launch onto the market. But how do you sustain 10 years of R&D at one point? You need an income, right? And also you need to test out and so on. So yes, it's about, and entrepreneurship, I guess, is about this. It's about building moving forward, as we mentioned, make choices, adapt along the way, getting better along the way, fixing some of the mistakes that you made have made and mistakes are. And I see something that it's quite interesting when it comes to sustainability actually in social media, in the way that one or two years ago, sustainability was more about yeah being perfect. And if you had a social media account based on sustainability, people would point out the only thing that they think you don't do as much sustainable as you could. So it's something that was always hard on me, you know, on a level, I, as I mentioned, I, I was, and I'm still on a journey of a very sustainable lifestyle, but from times to times I do take plane. I love to travel. And because sometimes it's needed for business. And I had those friends that did not care about sustainability, but that would make jokes of me saying, oh, you're into these sustainability things, but you take plane. You're like, yes, I'm not perfect. Yes, I don't take my sailing boat to go from uh, Singapore to France, you know? 
even though I would love to, but it would take too long. And it, it's a bit like this also when, when it comes to the social media. And today I've seen plenty of accounts raising about non-perfect sustainable behavior, non-perfect vegan person, which is great because it relieves a bit the pressure that we have consumers on our shoulder and putting back in light that every small step counts. And it's not about being perfect. It's about a journey toward a more sustainable life. Yeah. And it's interesting you brought that up because yes, there is a level of judgment that uh, you feel kind of scared that Oh, like when you, when you, when you brand yourself or like when you look at yourself as sustainable and you make a decision that's maybe not sustainable, sometimes there are certain people that can whatever says things, but yeah, as you mentioned, it's like step-by-step, step, you're kind of moving in the right direction. That's the main thing. As long as you're taking the first step, you're already in the right path. That's the main thing, you know? Exactly. And it's about being conscious because for sure, you know, that taking the plane is not the best option, but maybe for now, it's the only options that you have, but you can find alternatives to offset this travel. There's plenty also of solutions and so on and yeah it's kind of molding your steps and and your journey along the path exactly. last question i always like to ask is morgan is because i wanted to be of course it's been a super practical podcast like i think there's so many lessons that we can take out of it that we can implement right after this but maybe let's say you're a 22 year old you just graduated from university you're just starting off your career maybe what is one practical step that someone can take to start off their start off their interest in the climate change space it's a very very good question so i am um, if i can make it two steps sure, sure. first go online plenty of resources plenty of available educational uh, content out there you can enroll for classes you can enroll for mock uh, and conferences like this that would kind of guide you about uh, sustainable sustainability, climate change, and so on. Personally, it's something I did. I did enroll on a circular economy classes two years ago with the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. If you don't know this uh, foundation, I invite you to have a look because it's a very great foundation dedicated around circular economy, but very interesting. So do not hesitate to educate uh, more and get more knowledge about what is sustainability, what is climate change, what we can do, and what kind of career path there is available in this field because there is plenty. And the second is go out there, create you create a, a LinkedIn profile, reach out to a couple of co-founders, founders, press people, whoever that you're interested in getting more kind of knowledge about, prepare some quick questions to ask them, go out there, meet people, ask questions. And by questions, it's circling back to what we said at the very beginning, that it's by meeting people, by discussing, by exchanging, that actually it would be clearer for you. And that will uh, open also a world of possibilities that you might not see now, but maybe in five years from now, you will be reconnecting again. Amazing. And couldn't have said that any better because just like in circular economy, you bought it full circle over there as well. But yeah, so Morgan, this was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for all the insights all the way from the starting to end. I personally loved it and really excited for the listeners to listen to it. That's number one. But number two, would love, would love, would love if you could tell our listeners where they could find yourself and uh, Noise Care as well. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. I, I love discussing with you. And hopefully next time we could do it face-to-face -face in Canada. And you, you can find me on LinkedIn and Twitter too. But LinkedIn will be the, the most responsive from my part. So I guess that you will maybe link my profile LinkedIn in the description. So do not hesitate to reach out, send me a connection. My profile is open. Tell me that it's from the podcast and I might not be answering right now, but I do have a day per month dedicated on clearing emails and LinkedIn messages and so on. So I will eventually come back to you and always open for a chat. So do not hesitate to reach out.
And what about where to find noise? Easy. You go online, noisecare.com, and then follow the steps. It's super easy. Order your first bottle and start brushing responsibly. Definitely, definitely. So yeah, if you're in the US, the UK, go yeah. get noise. Simple as that. But yeah. but yeah, again, Morgan, this is amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to the Climate Changepreneurs podcast. Really, really hope you enjoyed that episode. Now, I personally always love hearing back from listeners, whether that's feedback or general comments. So feel free to connect uh, across with me on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn at Devesh Tilokani, D-E-V-E-S-H-T-I-L-O-K-A-N-I. Please let me know if I can help out anyway, whether that's something as simple as connecting you across with a guest you're interested in connecting with or feedback or in any other way possible. Again, thank you so much for listening and keep killing it in your climate change journey.